Hello and welcome in here for episode 83 of the Get After It podcast. This is a continuation in part two of episode 82 with Odakara Kletsky. And we're speaking about the brain. I really hope you all had a a wonderful time listening to the last episode. And if you haven't yet, make sure you go check out episode 82. It was yesterday's episode before diving into this one. This is a continuation in the final aspect or final part of our interview. And I want to get right to it. So we're going to dive right in here. This is the Get After a Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. Let's dive right in. This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. For young people in general, I feel like this is going to be just a game changer, what you're talking about. So thank you so much. This has been so so awesome already. So let's, let's uh, if we can... I want to tackle a really, uh, I, I think it's a, it, I, it's a crazy, I got introduced, well, I had a, um, you know what, actually, okay, I'm sorry, I was going to go into meditation and floating, I actually want to hold off on that for a moment, I want to go into um, pornography addiction, if I can, because I met a, a gentleman who works at a Salt Lake City, who works with um, young men, and he taught, I mean, it's just a fascinating how rampant this is in our society with the easy access to pornography. What does that do to the brain, especially the fact that we have very young, it's kids are getting involved in this. It's your, your kid when you're getting involved and you're first exposed to pornography, what is pornography doing specifically to the male brain, but, but just in general, the brain in general, what is pornography addiction doing to, can you, can you kind of walk us through that? Is that anything that you're familiar with that we can go into? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just like a lot of other addiction. It's the same thing as if would do a gambling, honestly. You know, it's, it's a similar thing that for somebody can be a sugar. So it's not like so specific about not to be pornography, except for the fact that like sex has the higher, you know, obviously brain is our highest sex organ, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. So let's, right. let's, let's direct it towards that. What is the, what is it doing to the brain? What is a, what is pornography addiction do to the brain over time? Is there challenges that, that come across to the brain? Well, we're looking, you know, the person, whoever does it, look at is looking for the orgasm, right? Like same, like the gambling person's looking for hitting the jackpot. We're basically looking for hitting the jackpot, right? At, at one or the other. And when you hit that jackpot, you have the you have the serotonin release, you have oxytocin release, you have a dopamine release. So you do have release of these neurotransmitters that make you feel good. Um, and if we overdo it, and it's a similar like the dopamine, huge dopamine release, it's like like thousand times if you if you take methamphetamine, which I never have, but you know that's what study says, right? That you get like the level of it is just so huge, and it's. The feeling is, the feeling can make you feel good at the first time, right? At like the, the, the first moment it happens, like they say, like it's never as good the next time over, but we tend to hunt the same high we once had, right? So we wanna, we wanna recreate the high we once had. And so some people cannot, they have a harder, they just have a harder time with the addiction. They have a harder time 
not trying to they like they want they want this release of these neurotransmitters they need it i shouldn't say they they don't need it at the beginning later on it just becomes addicted of the brain because the smaller amount are no longer sufficient like you're looking your brain's looking your brain is always no matter what it does it always is looking for efficiency it always is looking for the most efficient way because there is so many functions your brain does at every single second of your life that if you spend if you started at your groups counting one two three five for the end of your life you would not have the number your brain actually does in a, in a moment it like it goes in like whatever the number i could not probably like it's far beyond trillions like i don't even know the the number but like the amount of things your brain needs to do is huge so your brain's looking for efficiency and also your brain can very easily get hooked to certain kinds of highs and um and actually we need to be addicted like every single person needs to be addicted to some level every single person needs to be addicted to eat otherwise you would die right we need to be addicted to procreate so they are things we tend to be more addicted to some than others so for example like like i actually actually think one of the worst addictions one can have is food addiction and we tend to overeat, right? Even if we don't go like too far out, just like look at the population, what population has more body weight than they should have, we tend to do it. And, and the same thing with sex, those things are our primarily, we are primed for them no matter what. We are primed to be slightly, just slightly that we need it, right? And we do get a little bit of high out of them. And food is a drug because it changes your, biochemistry of the body and the same thing with sex and so once we some of the brains once they get a certain high they want to go and they're going to hunt for the same high again sugar is a huge one sugar is like so crazy it's it's as fast addictive as as cocaine if, if not more and it looks the same like if you look at the brain scans on a person with cocaine and or sugar high that's the same and with the sex we need sex because it's part of our procreation, right? And it's, again, it's the, it's the hunt after that high that no longer, once you get it once, the second time it's no longer that big. And so with anything, you want more of. So you're no longer trying to spend the time to wine and nine your girlfriend. You're no longer trying to spend all the time. You, all you're looking for is the efficiency and pornography allows the efficiency to happen for the brain. It's so fascinating too what you said about uh, sugar and, and salt. I thought about salt too, and like the just the fact that the, you know, it's like these the multinational companies really obviously they know how to get you hooked to this stuff, right? Because it is like it is it is designed to 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 stimulate you at such a high level. I want to ask you. So we're talking about some of these addictions. So we didn't actually hit on it so much with alcohol and marijuana. Actually, just to just to bust a myth can you be addicted to smoking marijuana because a lot of people say that you can't not physically not physically you can develop mental addiction you can develop the mental need of of having so it's there are two different types of addiction right you cannot be physically hooked to smoking marijuana but you can be mentally you know you can develop the fact that like without it like you convince yourself that you won't sleep without it and if you convince yourself that 
you might have a hard time sleeping, but, and, and it does happen that you might have a, that's about the only thing you really can like suffer out of. Like if you cut out after like being, you know, if you use it every single night to go to sleep for a decade, then if you quit, you might take two weeks having hard the time falling asleep, but then you're going to be right back to it. it, it it's, there is no physically, you're not going to, it's not like cigarettes. Cigarettes will give you really physical shakes. Cigarettes, tobacco is extremely physically addictive. It's really hard for people to quit tobacco, right? You can, you can go on vacation and you can be an everyday user for 40 years. You go on vacation in a country, some other foreign country, you know, you don't want to get in troubles. You don't smoke for two, three weeks and you don't have any problems whatsoever. So, uh, it's like I said, it's more mental. It's more like to a lot of people, it's a social, it could be a social thing that they do as a social activity, but it's not, it's not going to give you any kind of, it's not going to, it really doesn't cause even physical damage because it's like, if people smoke, it's expectorant. So it actually does take out a people like when a lot of studies, they try to compare it to, and this is not like, I'm not trying to speak on the side of marijuana. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to give you the facts. So, so don't, don't consider well, that as promotion of anything. That's what people but, come to the get after a podcast for. They come for the facts. <laughs> so, um, when they say like, you know, like you smoke this amount of tobacco, you're getting like, you know, all these carcinogens in your lungs. A, with the marijuana, you're smoking usually like little tiny bowl. It's not like, like a, it's not the same as if you're like smoking a whole bunch of cigarettes. So that for once. And so those things that burn, they do go in your lungs, but also a natural part of cannabis plant is, uh, ex is expectorant, which makes the people kind of cough after, right? And so they actually release that crap back out. So it's kind of the same thing, like when they say like eggs contain a lot of um, cholesterol if you eat eggs, but then if you actually have a home chickens and you have a homegrown eggs, I'm not, I'm not talking about those chickens that live in a, in a foot by foot little tiny things and they're like kind of machines and I feel really sad for their life. But when they took tests, in every single study across the board that it started with children, when I tested farmed kids who would be eating five, six eggs for breakfast, and it would be little kids, right? And they compare their cholesterol level to city kids that were on like so-called like little healthy diet. Those city kids had much higher cholesterol levels than those kids who would be eating a whole bunch of eggs. And then it, that led to a bunch of studies going like, how come people who eat eggs have less cholesterol if the egg is so high in cholesterol? Well, because egg contains things that makes you get rid of the cholesterol. So not everything just because you eat it or just because you consume it, it means you're getting what's in it. Like our body cannot metabolize calcium out of cow's milk. It doesn't matter there is a calcium because we cannot take it out. Our body cannot take it out, right? And, it, and, and on a sim, similar spectrum, people who smoke cannabis will not be affected in their lungs the way cigarette smokers are because of the expectorant doesn't allow it to, to lodge into our lungs and stay there. So that's why if they make, um, if you look at the lungs of lifelong smokers of cannabis, they're nice and pink. They're, they, don't, they, don't look like a, they don't look like tobacco smokers' lungs. So I, I cannot really speak uh, against it as far as 
Yeah, that's a fascinating. Health. Yeah, that's a fascinating analogy, though, with the eggs and the and the. It, that is really interesting. I want to ask and and move just to just to kind of put a put a stem on this and to transition. Can we talk about real quickly? Just I don't know. I don't think this will go quickly. Habits and how do you break an addiction? Because I, I remember reading a book, um, Atomic Habits. Uh, from James Clear, which was fantastic for building habits. And it's always, I, I think of it, it's like, it's so much easier to, and we all feel this, get into a spiral downward than to build yourself back up. It takes so much longer to build yourself back up. I want you to speak, if you could, to our audience about how do you break an addiction and how do you build a habit? If we could, in our, what are the similarities and what are obviously the differences between those two? It goes hand to hand. If you want to bring addiction, the best thing is to fill it with a habit. Addiction, in a way, is a habit, right? It, it's a habitual thing that you might or might not. And that is, again, like when you ask about like the being addicted to cannabis, and I said it can have a psychological addiction. It's a habitual addiction. You can create a habit, habit out of it. And once it's a habit, it's a, it's a sort of... I don't know, like, you know, like, where do you cross that line between addiction and a habit, right? It, it like, the point where you say yourself, it's no longer healthy for you, the point you say, like, you know, if there is a physical addiction, it's a whole different situation. But even with physical addiction, like a hunger will make you eat. Otherwise, you know, I, I do like, I actually quarterly do a, a um, fasting and I do full on fasting. And when I fast after like get through the initial phase of being hungry, then I'm no longer hungry. And I actually enjoy not eating. I enjoy my brain things much better because, you know, fasting is really amazing support for the brain and growing new brain cells. If you're healthy, I highly, highly, highly recommend fasting. But if we were not addicted to food and you were feeling this amazing how you feel after fasting, we would never eat and we would die. So we need that. Our body needs that. You need to be hooked to it. Like you need to return back to eating, right? And uh, so a lot of addiction, it's basically there set to as a survival mechanism. It's our own survival mechanism. So and every person ends up somewhere else on the track line because every single person, every single one of us, is addicted. We must be in order to survive to something, right? We need to be addicted to our basic survival mechanisms. And if, if the addiction passes in anything, something that it's no longer healthy and it's no longer serving your life, the best thing is to replace it with something else. Because the habit, you, so you don't have to change the habit as a, as a part of it. Like, let's say you're smoking cigarettes you want to quit smoking cigarettes you can actually take if you could handle it um cbd cigarettes take a take a hemp right and you can do the same habit now they make the hemp cigarettes that are, they are high in cbd and uh, they don't even get you high because they're there is below 0.3 percent of thc so it's a smokable flower and you can have the same habit of having that coffee having that what looks like a cigarette and you can smoke that and you can replace that. You can replace it with running. You can just go like, I'm going to start running. I'm going to start doing some kind of activity. But replace it with, with either very similar activity that is good for you or replace it with something that maybe might be a sport or something. Like, well, always replace it with something better. But it's good to like 
addiction, no matter what, always has a habitual part of it. And so if you're just trying to get rid of the physical one, you're not all of a sudden trying to get rid of 100% of the entire chunk. Just try to get rid of the chunk that it's physical and leave the habitual and replace, give it something else. You know, if you to go drink your bunch of alcohol, but at the same time, maybe you enjoy movies, then instead of going out drinking, watch all the Oscar movies, go binge watch, you know, spend your every night watching an Oscar movie and have a cup of tea with it. So you do have the drinking and you have, instead of the conversation, you have something that's really nice and can give you some sort of fulfillment. So always look for something that gives you fulfillment, but it's healthy for you. But that no matter so what that, the, the physical addiction is going to be hard. And so there's no question. It's, it's not easy thing, but you can make it easier on yourself. Mm. If the brain, it's, it's just the same thing. If you, if you built it, you can break it. If you created the problem, you can solve the problem. Your brain is a remarkable organ, right? It can, it can solve the problem. I want to ask you about um, sensory deprivation tanks, float tanks. I, I want to ask you, because I have, you know, and actually before I move on from that, I was just going to say, because this has been so impactful for me. So I'm already, I'm just, I'm getting so excited sitting here about what our audience is going to get out of this. Because this is so great. Because I'm thinking when I was, when I was scaling my business with student painters, uh, I moved to, I moved to New England. I didn't know anybody. And I was, I worked like crazy. And as for the, for the summertime, when we had pretty much all of our revenue coming in and I was, I mean, hundred hour weeks is like an understatement. I mean, it was, it was, but I, but I, but I loved it. You know, it was like, I loved the work, but I also realized I associated a horrible eating addiction with it because I just stopped cooking. I mean, it was like, it was like, I, I looked forward to the, the three times a day I could go to a, as crazy as this sounds, I could go to a fast food restaurant or some other like Dunkin' Donuts and get, not that Dunkin' Donuts isn't fast food, but all of these places, and, and, and it's amazing how looking back on it now from having this conversation, it's just, those were stimulants. I mean, it was literally stimulants for the brain to get myself through the distraction of the crazy 16 or 18 hour day that I assigned myself to for that day. And it's amazing since pandemic, I've taken a lot more responsibility for my health. And one thing I did was I, I used to smoke weed a lot to go to bed. And it was amazing when I pulled that out, it was all of a sudden it took probably three, four days of just like really, you know, tossing and turn, trying to get to sleep. And then I started having the best sleep of my life. I mean, literally some of the best sleep that I've had in, in years. So that this has been awesome. I know it's going to impact. I know I'm not the same person who's had some of those challenges and I really appreciate you going in on this. I want to ask you about the, the sensory deprivation tank though, and float tank. So I, I do a float tank for those that aren't familiar. It's a well, actually, actually, I, I want to let you ex actually explain what a float tank is, because I'm actually super curious, um, maybe if there's any uh, tactics or something that, what's the best way to utilize a float tank and a, a sensory deprivation tank? Um, do you want to explain to our audience what that is and why it's important, why meditation in general is important for the brain? I'm going to give it to you. Let's hear it. I'd love to hear more about this. Okay, so... Floating and meditation, it actually allows our brain to sort of sleep in a way. It goes, your brain goes in a theta waves. So during the sleep, your brain goes through different waves and it's kind of lower the, the electrical activity of our brain, right? Like that is, has its inherits. 
And so what, uh, what meditation does, it brings the brain closer to the sleep level with a really good, if you're really good with meditation, you can in meditation replace that is very, very few, like, and I, I don't really almost like to talk about it, but you can replace certain amounts of sleep. If you lose some sleep, you can, because sleep is not a bank. You cannot, you cannot put in bunch, withdraw. You cannot be withdrawing five days a week and think you sleep on a weekend. It does not happen. Like it's what you don't get in a day. You don't get in a day. You cannot sleep it up in a weekend, but the meditation can, what you did, didn't, or more did not do the night prior with meditation, so that's one of the benefits of meditation. It can actually um, allow you to do, allow your brain to do some functions it does during the sleep. And so you can catch up a little bit on that. Um, in general, the meditation, obviously it has the, Oh my goodness, I got myself, I got myself. So what happens is like, because of the, the brain waves, where do the brain waves go? They go down to the theta waves, they go in a slower waves. And this is the waves in which restoration of your body happens on a cellular level. So the better you are at meditation, the better you can up your immune system and the better you can make your brain function, the better you basically put yourself back in. The, the fastest thing to me, what it does to you is to put your body back into the balance. Because what do we do all day, every day, um, when it comes to your health, when it comes to your um, functions, when it comes to your brain, when it comes to your thinking, you're constantly balancing yourself and doing, you're almost trying to stay in a balance, right? If you have, uh, this is the problem what we have with medical system. If you have certain medical problem, you go to the doctor, the doctor gives you pills because the pills have the side effects. They will live that one part that like, if you think about it as a teeter-totter, something there is a problem, the teeter-totter goes down, they lift it there. But a problem is that the chemicals in it will make the teeter-totter fall somewhere else. And then you go back to the doctor and you go like, okay, this thing's fixed, but I'm having this problem. And they go like, okay, we'll give you a pill for that. But that already offset something else, right? And so you're spending this game, like once you get yourself on that route, you're on 15 plus, you don't even know how, Every day, you're going to visit doctor all the time. They're constantly trying to fix something or you're trying to constantly fix where the body's very core of your body has the tendency to put itself in balance. Your body has a tendency to self-heal. Your brain has a tendency to be in balance. And meditation, the, the proper stages of meditation will keep you healthiest. That's why if you look at the, the people in Nepal and they're 100 years old and you cannot judge whether they're 60 or 100 or 110 and there is like a 50 years difference and you go like whoa did you just 120 birthday and and he's walking up and down every morning to collect himself of water high up in elevation breathing almost no oxygen because he's like somewhere in you know 8,000 meters up in the sky and and how do they do it? Because they spend, they easily spend five hours in meditation, right? So they spend getting their body where the body self heals. And then, and the one thing you do when you're going in a meditation, what you're trying to do is basically 
not be affected. Doesn't mean you're not be aware. And it depends. There are different types of meditations. There are meditations where you just, you know, sit, you can have your eyes open and just look around, look at, you know, Buddha when he sat under the body tree, right? The, his point was not to like float away. His actually point was to be 100% fully aware with the surroundings, but not being affected by it, not allowing it to take you off the balance, not take you off center. So there is meditation when you do sitting down, there is meditation you do laying down. Some meditations you have eyes open, some you have eyes closed. But essentially, the point is that it's to go back into balance. And what makes it much harder on us, it's what they call the monkey brain, which I'm sure like most of your audience already heard, most of the audience already heard. And the monkey brain wants to keep going, right? And it's very hard to let it go. And what aids that monkey brain to be thinking are all our senses. That's why we have them. Like, right, you feel cold, you feel warm, you smell something, you touch something, you know, you see things. And those things, because they are sensory inputs, the sensory inputs are like little tricksters. And the sensory tricksters are trying to like, see like, can I set you off balance a little? And when you go to sensory deprivation tank, you are eliminating these tricksters. And so if you know how to meditate, you can go way deeper into the meditation and you can go way deeper into that restoratory, did I say it properly in English? State of your body, of your cells, and you can become healthier. It rejuvenates, the body will shed off the, the old cells out. It will grow new cells, it makes you better and if you cannot meditate if you have a hard time meditate by removing the sensory please the get point getting if you meditated or even better you can still get even better benefits than from regular meditation if you can be in sensory deprivation because the moment you let go of your senses those little tricksters that are trying to pull us off balance all day long from morning till the moment you go to sleep they're no longer there and I, I, let, can we, I, I, I'm just so curious. You just mentioned if you know how to meditate, it can get you so much further. How does somebody, how, how does somebody get into, you know, into meditate? How, how do they actually, because we hear it all the time, especially with the social media world that we, we see people meditating. If somebody is totally cold to meditation, which I would assume is probably most of the audience, to be honest. They're, they've never done it and they probably question, well, maybe they don't question it actually after listening to this podcast, but, but, but they, 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 they want to get into it. What, what would you recommend? Is there, is there a book they need to read? Are there specific, you know, uh, actions that they could take? How do you, how do you, how do you meditate in the right way and in the best way? I'd say start with mindfulness. Just put your phone away go into the nature and just be aware. Like don't even try to meditate, go on a walk and just try to notice without a judgment, things around you. Try to notice how the air smell, how the breeze feels on your face, how to, and just try to be aware awareness. So that's how I would say it's a very beginning of introduction to any kind of meditation. It's not trying to let go of your thoughts. Don't worry about your thoughts. You can, 
because they say like people say like and when I start everybody says let's focus on your breath I can focus on my breath for five seconds and it's boring like I don't want to focus on my breath like now I can do it because I practice and meditation is a lot about practice you know people like Dalai Lama like any kind of lamas there they spend since early childhood eight hours per day in meditation so in order to get to that stage it's not something you just get like super easily it's just like you need to you need to practice it and so in order to even start and without like getting bored like one once you start getting into meditation i would say find on youtube or purchase some course find a voice that you like and have a guided meditation because it's always better if somebody guides you through it somebody says like what you do what you focus on um, that's a good thing. Good thing it's to start meditating when you're trying to fall asleep. Maybe when you're giving up your evening drink or your evening joint and you want to fall asleep, then like find some sleep meditation and put on meditation and just try to follow the words when you're trying to fall asleep because you're naturally trying to relax and it can naturally draw you into meditation. So starting at night is, is good once you go in at sleeping. But I would say like really really good beginning it's really not trying to do much anything just just you know go into nature go be surrounded go pet your dog and just grab your dog in arms and just just pet them just like focus on the fur and just like focus on it and if the moment you start thinking about something it's okay if you do just bring yourself back and let it go and a good thing also is like before the meditation or you just state for yourself and this is kind of important for your brain because it's the same thing like when they say like when you want to work at the evening leave half work undone right like when they when you're writing a book we always say like when you're working and you're writing a book don't finish the chapter it's always wrong moment to end chapter and think you come back tomorrow morning the best thing is to be mid chapter mid sentence not don't even finish the sentence so you go to bed with the fact that there is a half a sentence unfinished then you go because you have the tendency to finish it right so you want to finish that with meditation is the exact, uh, it's the opposite. And in order for us not to finish that thought, it's a good thing before you try to meditate, before you try to be mindful, to just state for yourself that I will come back to it. Whatever thoughts I'll have, if you must take a pen and paper, write a beginning thought down, down put there like okay i need to i forgot to pay the phone bill or something right like just write it down so you don't have to follow that thought and you just make yourself a promise i will go back to that thought later i, I will i will do it it's just right now it's not a time right now it's not the time to follow that thought so it's important that the moment you go you don't go and you follow those thoughts and once you catch yourself and you always will you will always think of something because that's how our brain works the moment you catch yourself, oh, I'm, I'm no longer thinking about how furry is my dog or how nice are the, the, the birds singing outside and you're starting to think of something, then you just let it go and focus back to just being present. Just being present is a, such a powerful tool for our lives. Just, just be here right now at this moment because it's the only moment we have. We don't own our past. We don't own our future. It's the only moment we own. Ooh. You're, you are just dropping the mic to the point that it's just falling at this point. It's just in free fall. This is great. I, uh, I want to, so you've been more than generous with your time here to, I, I want to finish with a couple questions and actually hit on the book here. But my last question before I get to the book, can you tell me a little bit about, we talked about naps and like napping, 
um, I, we have a lot of people who are trying and they're going for that high performance, right? They're trying to do their, they're trying to get the most out of their day. Uh, how do you, cause this is actually just a personal question almost in a lot of ways, like I can't shut down for, for a nap, even if I'm tired, it's so challenging to just, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, right? Like it's, it, I would assume it's a challenging thing to just unplug. How do you have the most efficient naps? How do you sit yourself? I mean, the coffee thing was really interesting, but can you speak a little bit more about napping if that's cool? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a similar thing like a sleep. Um, when, how old are you? 23. See, that's my view. You just might not be ready for naps yet. You still might be young enough for that. So if you, if you, if your body truly fights you and does not want to nap, you don't have, like when I was your age, I wouldn't nap either. Like now I'm, you know, I'm 44. So I actually nap to me, it's important. Like my body aged into that. So it's for some people, it's more naturally the naps than others at the young age, right? So you're not at an age where you might need, you might not need them. You might be okay. If, you, if you're getting enough sleep at night, if you're getting your seven, eight hours and, at night and you don't need that coffee in the morning, you don't need caffeine in the morning, you might be okay. You might not be creating the adenosine as fast. So it, it could be okay. So that's one thing. If you're getting sort of tired and your brain cannot shut up and like, you feel there is that afternoon conflict, you actually feel that afternoon lag, then you do need a nap, then it's a good idea. And the best way to do it, it's to actually create a routine. Set it up almost on your alarm. If you have the time, set it up on your alarm. Do it at the same time every single day. You don't have to fall asleep. Doesn't mean that during the nap, you have to still fall asleep, but you can just go and let's say, instead of the nap, you can go like every day at 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm gonna listen to, a guided meditation that takes five minutes. And after that, I'm just going to stay in bed for another 10 more and just give yourself an alarm for 15 minutes. And if you keep doing that every day over and over, you will teach your brain that this is the, you will teach your brain, this is the time. There are people who actually play a certain, they have like a playlist of like some music they play before they nap. So like they prep their body, this is the nap time, right? So and again, like if you have a chance to cool off your body, funny enough, a quick hot shower would cool off your core because your core will have a tendency to get rid of the, the heat. So it will like cool off. So you can have like a quick, very quick hot shower. So you don't, you don't heat up your core temperature, but your core heat will want it to cool off. So it will create a cold. So you can have a quick, quick hot shower, rinse, um, play some music, play a few, slow songs or something. It does not necessarily, there are some great sleep music that you can listen and find on YouTube that are, they have the special frequencies and they are great for some people. Those are great. Some people just play the music they just enjoy and it doesn't necessarily has to be that one. But if you play the same sets of songs and then you go lay down, your brain will learn this is the time like you can actually it's your communication to allowing your brain to know this is what's coming and so if you want that that would be that would be the way how i would do it and i would probably start with just putting some guided meditation and mm. instead of thinking it as an app just think of it like this is my afternoon meditation i'm just doing my afternoon meditation i'm gonna stay laying down and whenever i have any kind of thoughts come to my brain i'm gonna let them go Love and this. I'll come back to them after the nap, but like while I'm trying to nap, 
what I'm trying to lay down. And it, it might take you a while. It might take you whatever, a week, two, that you won't fall asleep right. until like all of a sudden, like you realize that you're waking up and you didn't even know how you fell asleep. Mm. I love this. Um, hear your brain whisper. I, I encourage everybody to check out this book, which is available on Amazon. I want to ask you just about that. You know, we, we, we spoke a little bit about the book beforehand, and I know a lot of this all goes back to the book in, in, in probably in much greater detail. Could you, could you tell, I'm, I'm curious for you in putting this book together. So your first book was about the body and, and you, you, the first thing you told me when we got on before our podcast was for your audience, the, the brain book is the book to read. Once you're over the age of 40, check out the body book, but maybe it could be both. I'm sure there's great stuff in both, but specifically on the brain book, I want to ask you on this, what, what was the most fascinating thing that you learned in putting together your research and, and putting together this book? What was the most fascinating experience of learning from the book for you personally? Uh, my personally, I would say the research on flow and research on sleep. The sleep just blew me away. Like it actually, it really changed. Like I had on to-do list for the last two years to be better at my sleep and really researching for my book made it like sleep to like put as like no it's nothing crosses the sleep it's my number one priority and I made it like I made it I fall asleep I sleep well I sleep deep I sleep till morning I make sure I sleep well and actually if I have a coffee in the morning I hate it like it's not even it's it's I I don't want that caffeine in it because the body's like so energized it's just so happy so like I, I start my morning with a cup of water and then I have a cup of black tea. So like in all fairness, but it's more of like the routine thing that I had like for over 20 years going and a black tea doesn't have as much caffeine, but I do start with like a cup of water and then I have a cup of black tea. But uh, yeah, the sleep, sleep was huge. And then, then the flow and the flow because I actually had entrepreneurs speak about flow a lot. There is a lot of speak and I actually realized there is a huge misunderstanding of what flow, what that transient hippofrontality truly is. And that, yeah. that like really like got me like how much we, and how much like over the, all over the brain, how much our thinking, how much we think that our thinking is like such a huge deal where actually like most of the functions of the brain is actually not thinking. It's, taking care of the body, doing the other things and putting things on autopilot. How much our brain tricks us, our brain, because it's constantly looking for shortcuts in every single aspect it can look for shortcuts, uh, it will. And so it's very, our perception of life is perception of brain. Who you are is your memories and your memories are stored in the brain and how your memories are formed. They're formed because of your senses, because of the moment. And so our memories lie to us on a level. That's what was the other thing that it's just, it's just mind blowing. Like if you have two siblings who grew up in the same household, I don't know if you do have, do you have a sibling or no? Uh, an older brother. Yeah. If you ask your older brother about growing up in your family, do you both have a different memories of the same basically experience of being raised in the same family? We'll have to bring you on again and I'll have to give you the answer to that question after I ask him. 
Because <laughs> maybe usually maybe. they do because everyone experiences it differently. So even they like memory, a lot of times the memories of the very same event are described differently by different family members. And that's because we perceived it differently. And when we perceive it, we put it in our memory bank. And so who we are, we are a collection of our memories because that's that's what everything, who do you think you are? What do you think about yourself? It's just the, the things that it's in your memory bank. It's not because otherwise, what is it else? Like, it's not like you're not necessarily done what you think you've done, right? And so that's what who we are. Brain is who we are. Brain is everything. Brain is our entire life experience. Oh, I love this. I have, uh, I, I have, I have so many more questions to go into. But you're you're going to have to come back at some point. We're going to have to have you back on here. This was that. a, it was mind blowing for me. No pun intended for 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 everything that we went over. How can uh, how can people get a hold of you on social media, or is there or follow you if they want to? If they want, obviously, let's plug the book. I'll have the link in the description of the podcast. But how do they get more of? Uh, what well, well, really, how do they get more of not only the books, but obviously, I know you're you're present on social media. G give it all to us. Okay, so um, yeah, obviously on Amazon, you can just put my name in Amazon. You can find my work on Amazon. Um, you can find me best on Facebook. It's probably the best uh, out of social media. I know I'm on other platforms, but as Facebook is definitely more of the one where you can find me. And then I have a website, otakarakletki.com, justmyname.com. And there you can, again, read more about my books, read a little more about me, contact me, find a way to, to reach out to me and email me. Otakara, thank you so much for joining us. I think I speak for the whole audience and say this has been awesome. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Wow, wow, wow. I want to thank... Odakara for taking the time of her day to spend an extended period with our audience and myself. I know I learned so much from this podcast and I really hope you did too. And I want to encourage you to send this to somebody. This is probably outside of our norm in terms of to get after a podcast for motivation and hitting on inspiration and stuff like that. But this is it's such a great podcast. I, I, I hope you all thought the exact same. Make sure to share this with a friend and Again, if you are getting value from this podcast, please leave us a review. It helps us with the algorithms extensively. I know more than half of you listen on Spotify. The biggest way to help us with the reviews is on Apple Podcasts. So even just downloading the app, going into the app store, leaving a review on the Get After It podcast helps us out a ton. With all that being said, make sure you come back to the Get After It podcast for new episodes coming weekly. We usually throw in even more than that. But that's being said, that's all I got. I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. Thank you all so much for spending this time with us. I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope you get after your day.